Live from downtown San Francisco, this is 95.7 The Game. And the Golden State Warriors have recaptured home court in the NBA Finals with a stirring 107-97 win here at TD Garden. 43 points for Stephen Curry. And the Golden State Warriors go back to Chase Center for Game 5 after closing this one out on a 21-11 run. And a stunned Boston crowd. They were here to celebrate 3-1. Now have to wonder what's going to happen when they come back for Game 6. That's a mouthful from the voice of the dubs, my good friend Tim Roy, and it's come down to this. A three-game series to see who lifts the Lawrence F. O'Brien Trophy, and the dubs have that Game 7 at home sticking in their back pocket. How will it go? Welcome in, everybody. This is your day. Here on 95.7 The Game, I am Jim Cozumore, my good friend Dan Devone across the desk from me. And Dan, what a wondrous sight it was to see the Dubs and Steph Curry stick it to the seas on their home court. Is that in terms of ranking the greatest performances? And there certainly has been a lot from which we can choose. Where do you put that one? So if you look at Steph's performances, I think this is his ultimate finals performance. And some people will say he had 47 against the Raptors. That was in a losing cause. His 43 single-handedly willed the Golden State Warriors to a road win in what the Warriors were calling a must-win game. This is, for the first time, I believe, Steph Curry's true shining moment in a finals game. Can we take it a step further? Oh, listen to you. Is it potentially? And I know you got the Oklahoma game, and there's so many. And we could be here for the next two hours. We could do the whole show talking about Steph and the great performances that he's provided over the decade plus. I put it right at, if not at the top, close to it. Because first of all, it's the NBA Finals. Taking into account the injury. You're at Boston. Yes, it's a must win. Also, just to give it some sort of a backstory, when you think about the two years off, Everything that has gone into this contest and the fact that he's not getting any level of support throughout the first couple of games of this series and to do what it is that he did, which is essentially save the finals. Now, a lot of this obviously has to do with what happens going forward. The narrative will change entirely should they lose to the Celtics, but if they do indeed win it, I would put this right at the very top in terms of his performances individually. So did we in fact see Steph Curry's signature NBA Finals moment we leave it up to you. 888-957-9570. That is our Xfinity mobile text line. 888-957-9570. It is also the phone line. We know the phone lines were rocking for Whitey and JD for the first four hours of the programming day here at 95.7 The Game. We will keep them rocking right here with the and codes all the way until 5 o'clock this evening because we know Dubs Nation is ready to roll. But for Steph Curry, honestly, when it comes to the finals... This is the only thing that really stands out to me. The other moments that stand out are 54 in the regular season, his real coming out party at Madison Square Garden that he had against the Knickerbockers, maybe twisting around um, Chris Paul in the series against the Clippers. That's another ultimate moment for Steph Curry. But this is his true moment to shine, and he did it on the biggest stage. He did, and without, of course, the likes of KD, it is his world right now. I... (laughs) You know what? He He's so amazing. And I know that sounds like I'm overstating the obvious. But we have maybe it's just apropos that we start here. For all the coconuts out there that wanted to doubt this guy, 
that wanted to go because you need something, right? You need clickbait, so you need to dig your teeth into something, whether it's Skip Bayless, and there's a long list of them, believe it or not, Coes, that this guy's not in that pantheon until, of course, he does it in the finals. Right. Until he does it in the fourth quarter. Yep. I mean, that window keeps getting narrow and more narrow. So what is it that he needs to do in order to convince these people that he's one of the greatest of all time? Maybe it's because he's a little bit diminutive when you compare him to the likes of a Kobe Bryant and LeBron James and... And a Michael Jeffrey Jordan and, and, and a Jordan Larry Kevin. Bird and a Magic Johnson and all the other greats who have done it on the biggest stage at the biggest moment. At what point do we put it to bed? When he does this and they win a championship. Because if he does this and they lose to the Boston Celtics, he will forever be the guy who was able to hang on to Andre Iguodala in their first championship when Iguodala won MVP or hang on to KD when they won a couple of other championships. That's what he will always be. He needs to be the lead dog on the sled for when they carry the Lawrence F. O'Brien trophy home. I would go as far to say, and I know this is never going to happen, nor should it, I guess, because logistically it doesn't happen, but if the series were to end, say, after game three, with the Celtics leading two games to one, I would have given him the MVP as opposed to anybody in a Boston Celtic uniform. <laughs> no, that's how amazing he is up to this point. And I don't think people, maybe you can go back to LeBron and his remarkable performance in the NBA Finals. And certainly if that first Cavalier team, he had nothing to work with. Right. And the Warriors certainly have a better supporting cast. They just have not played up to potential to this juncture. But what he's doing... Here it goes. Let's just get theatrical to start things. I love it. Sometimes we just have a tendency to, we we live in the moment, and sometimes it's nice, and I do this when I meditate, you need just to take some personal inventory, step away, and recognize true greatness. You're not going to see this, Warrior fans, maybe in your lifetime. I remember when Michael Jordan, in The Last Dance, I saw that, and I was doing a show right afterwards, and I remember staring at the screen after the shot, after the Bulls won it, and just sort of in this transcendental state saying, I'm never going to say anything like this again. This is true greatness. And sometimes I think everybody out there, instead of taking this for granted and think Steph can do this for another five or ten years, just to, just to take a moment and truly recognize, even step aside from the series itself, and just say to yourself, wow, this is something to tell the grandkids. All right, the Xfinity mobile text line already humming, and we will get to you in just a second. And a reminder that you can hit us on the phone lines at 888-957-9570. Uh, there, let's, let's go to the, a real quick text from the 415. Stop ranking his shots and performances. His next shot is the best one. Is there more left in the tank for Steph Curry after what he did last night in Boston to the Celtics? There may have to be. And that's the scary part for me, is that he may have to do that two more times in order for the Warriors to win, and I don't know if he's going to be able to do it two more times. He clearly needs help. If we were to go and step away from Steph for a moment and just go big picture, Jordan Poole had flashes in that first quarter. Clay was better. Uh, certainly Wiggins has been solid. But, and I put this on, on Clay and Jordan Poole. One of those two gentlemen have to alleviate some of these scoring responsibilities. If not both. If not both in some way, shape, or form. And I think Clay even said it last night when he said this is Steph's greatest finals performance that he has ever witnessed. You know, after the game, Curry was asked about this. And why don't we get this sound ready? And this was when he was asked about, was this a planned night where he was going to step on the gas 
and everyone else was going to go for a ride? Or was this something that just seemed to happen through the course of the game almost organically? And here's, uh, we're going to hold on. We'll get that sound in just a second. While they get it ready to roll, because we're going through a shift change here, so we got to get everything rolled up back in it. The 510 says this series is Steph's MJ moment. Last night was vintage MJ willing the win, lifting Scotty and Dennis and Kerr and Hodges and everyone else who has played for that Bulls team. That could be the way you look at it, but I think it means more if you win the championship. If you lose the championship, you say it's a great performance by a great player, but you might be able to shrug. Here's what Curry said, whether it was planned or organic. A lot of it is because of how hostile the environment was, the fans chanting, doing all their you know shenanigans and all that. Boston knowing how big of a game it is for them. If they get the win, they take you know control of the series. So it's all that mixed into the, and the experience, knowing how fickle momentum is in in the finals. We've been through it all, so try to rely on past experience to understand how important that was. All right, so uh, hostile environment. You know what can bring out the best? It can shrink you down, or it can bring out the best, and it brought out the best in number 30. Wow. I mean, he's <laughs> just so incredible. Yep. But I think about the intensity of this guy, Coase, and the intensity he had last night, along with Coach Kerr. You could see that the body language is a little different, that not only do we need to win this, but he was so dialed in, man. I haven't seen him shimmy once in this series. I think there is a sense of, I think that if indeed they do win it, and if he's the MVP, all that crap aside, this will be the most satisfying. I can just see it in his in his face and in his attitude. Totally agree. Totally agree. And I know there's nothing like the first, but this will be the most satisfying. And in some ways, for Warrior fans, I wonder if this would overshadow the first championship they got with this core group. Boy, this, this would be such a special one if Steph, Leads them across the finish line, wins the MVP. They win it at home in a game seven, right? Which, quite frankly, and I know Warrior fans says, no, let's win on Monday. Let's win game six. Let's carry the trophy home. You know what? I'm selfish. I want to see more basketball. I hope they win it in game seven at Chase Center. You will have your moment. And boy, would that be something for Warrior fan. It's the second without KD because a lot of what he hears is that, you know, KD is the one that you need in order to win another NBA championship. You hear about how the league caught up to the way you play basketball. You've been off for two years in terms of getting back to the postseason. You're a little bit older. All of these things that if he walks away with the MVP, and the other thing that's got to be ruminating in the back of his head, and I mentioned the last dance a couple of moments ago, he's got to be thinking, this could be it. I don't know that I'm going to get back here again. None of us do. I mean, whether it's injuries, all the things that you can't foresee, especially for an older basketball team, that somewhere lodged in the back of his head, he's got to be saying, this could be it for me. And you can see it in the way he's playing basketball. From the 510 on the Xfinity Mobile text line, Steph doesn't need a signature game. Signature games are for people who have nothing else. Steph has a career of defining moments. But you make your name in the finals, asked Charles Barkley. You make your name in the finals, asked John Stockton. You make your name in the finals, ask Carl Malone, okay? That's where you are considered the greatest of the great. And this would be a special moment for a special player who has had a remarkable career. 
There is no question about that. But there's so many other varying things along this. You could just look at the raw numbers, right? 41 minutes, 43 points, 10 rebounds, 7 of 14 on threes, but I believe he missed his first three. So really, seven of his last 11 threes, which shows you the marksmanship. And he even got physical at one point in this thing. Remember off that crazy dribble, and then he throws his shoulder into a guy and goes to the hoop? I love seeing that out of angry Steph. That's the new Steph. And we talk about when he won his first, he was never, first of all, he physically didn't look like this. He's 20 pounds heavier, and those 20 pounds are all muscle. And he finishes as well as anybody in the NBA. I've always stated this, that I love his mid-range. When he can get into that mid-range, he is so dangerous, and I think at times he becomes so reliant on the three. But it's all working right now. You are getting vintage Steph right now. For you Steph fans, it does not get any better than this. He is looking for just that slightest crease to step back and drill a three, and he's fully confident it's going in. If you're going to run him off the line, he's going to take you right to the rack. If not, he'll pull up for that floater. It is, <laughs> This is absolute poetry. What does it tell you that the Warriors, who have played so incredibly well in third quarters of this series so far, in fact, they've outscored Boston in the third quarter by a plus 49, but it was the fourth quarter in this one, and especially the stretch drive in the fourth quarter of this one, where they outscore them 17-3 down the stretch to get the victory. Does that tell you that the Warriors, this crew, understands winning time more than Boston's crew, who's now there for, for the first time in at this kind of a spotlit moment. We were waiting to see that close game because they've all been sort of runaways in that fourth quarter. First it was Boston, then it was the Warriors. They've been trading off. So this one was a little bit more hanging in the balance. Don't forget Boston had a lead of four with about five minutes to go, and then it was all Golden State Warriors. So, yeah, to your point, we're still waiting to see Boston in that close moment. Do you have the pedigree, the most overused word that we've heard going into these finals? <laughs> but here's the other thing, Coase, that you can nod. At some point, and we've kicked this around, don't you think the back-to-back seven games they had in the Eastern Conference Finals going to the wire against that of Miami in the semifinals against the Milwaukee Bucks, we were waiting at some point for this to rear its head. We thought, well, early on, you guys are going to still be fatigued. But no, it was just the opposite. Then we began to think, well, if this series – goes deep, will that catch up to them? And i got to be honest, if you're looking at that team in the fourth quarter, they didn't have that same level of energy we've witnessed in the first three games of the series. You make an excellent point because I think we misstated it early on in the series when they went through that seven-game stretch against Miami and won in tough fashion. We all thought they would come into game one and they'd limp into game one and they would have some problems. Well, instead, they were actually on their game because they had been playing in a regular fashion while Golden State had sat around for a number of days. And it was Boston who, who really took the advantage in game one because they had the rhythm. But as much as it helped them early in the series, does it hinder them in these final three games that are going to be needed um, if you get to Game 7? And is that where the early work that they had to do, whether it was against Miami, whether it was against Milwaukee, no matter who they were playing, is now the time where it shows up where they're going to be a little bit more tired? 888 888-957-9570, 888-957-9570. There are some other players who are out there that need to get things done. Curry outscores the rest of the Warriors starters 43-39 to yesterday. If I tell you that's the recipe for game number uh, five, do you think they can win a game like that if Curry doesn't get the wingman help he needs? You know, typically I would say no, but at this point, Steph is in such a different world right now. 
that if he feels as though I, I got this, that this is in, whether it's his moment, however you want to place this thing historically, that I'm not willing to bet against this guy right now. And he may have a 50-burger in his bag, Coz. Wow. He's getting out of control. He is just so dialed. And this is this – is, this is, and you're right. The NBA Finals bring the best out of you. And for one of the greatest to ever do it, it's exactly what we're witnessing. Uh, we got phone calls we're going to get to in just a second. We've got more on the text line that we want to get to. We know there are other things going on in the world of sports. Maybe you're a live golf fan and you want to talk about the new tournament that's going on. Maybe you are a big Giants fan and you know Giants Dodgers are going on in the Bay Area this weekend. We can always tap into that. But really, we are we are hyper-focused on the Golden State Warriors NBA Finals run. You know, it's funny. Typically... You'd get Giants Dodgers, and we'd do a weekend with it, and we'd get as many former Dodgers. Uh, you know, Steve Garvey would be a guest on the show, and we'd get as many former Giants on to talk about the rivalry. I don't think anyone notices that Man, the nobody Giants. Cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. That's a big yawn. I came in on Bart today. I did not see any Giants gear, Dodgers gear, walking in, making their way to the yard. No, it's all. <laughs> this is it, man. And look at how ner- I got so many texts of people essentially saying the same thing prior to tip last night. I'm so nervous. <laughs> This is scary. I love that. This is scary stuff because no one that. wanted to go down 3-1. Nope. And now everybody can exhale. It's 2-2. Bring it on home. Oh, How much better do you feel at 2-2? Because if it was 3-1 and we heard the great Tim Roy say that Boston crowd wanted to leave up 3-1, how different does it feel being 2-2 knowing that two of the next three games are scheduled for Chase Center if you're a Warrior fan? This has got to be the feeling you were hoping for, praying for, when they had to travel all the way to the East Coast to take on a Boston team. And let's not forget, that Boston team's a pretty darn good team. Pretty good the Boston team. fans out there for the last two games. Totally love it. Yeah. Totally love it. Get at them. Get loud. Get proud. You can be knuckleheads. Be coconut. They got a bunch of coconuts out there, don't they? Sure do. But they are in it. You are not going to argue as to whether or not they love their team or not and hate your team or yeah. not. Yeah, no, I think it's good. It's good for the finals, good for the sport. The F-bomb, yeah. I don't necessarily – look, at. you shouldn't be doing that. No. Nope. But it's Boston, and I get it, and that's that's what adds to all of this, yep. right? This is what this stage is all about. And isn't that what the Warriors have done to crowds over the years? We go back to the Toronto Raptors series when KD feels a twinge in yeah. his calf. And they erupt in joy in the beautiful nation of Canada. In Toronto, all those fans are waving them goodbye. And we all think Canadians are the nicest people on the planet. And I'm married to one, and they're fabulous. But, man, the Warriors bring out a lot of hate. They do. Sports hate. A lot of sports hate. They're on top of the mountain. That's that's the team you're trying to knock off. And I got to, you know, when you go back to the F-bomb that sort of rankled Steve Kerr and Clay Thompson and some of the players in post-game comments. I think a lot of that's frustration because they lost the game. But just keep in mind, that wasn't a smattering few no. sitting up in Section 418 in the upper bowl. No, That was man, woman, and child in unison, in harmony. Yes. Every single one of them getting after it. 20,000 strong at Tea Garden. So that's the way they live. Whether it's class or classness, I would just say the St. Wimbledon. This isn't the the English, the all English club. This is how they do things. That's Boston, but it adds again to the lore of what it is that we're experiencing, and I think it makes the finals that much more fun. Courtside, uh, courtside, Carl was in his cups that night, and they were getting at it verbally, getting at it. Now, Dan, they're getting at you. From yeah, the no, with good Dan reason. Devone good reason. Gave up on the Warriors, so I'm waiting to hear from him. So we'll go to Joe in San Francisco. 
San Francisco, Joe, you are our tip-off caller here on the Devon and Coach Show on a Saturday, a glorious Saturday in the city of San Francisco. And the tagline says, watch out, Dan. Go Joe. give it to me, Joe. Give it to me, buddy. You know, Dan, I'm unapologetically the greatest Draymond apologist. And I want to get this in before you start with Draymond in the drinking game because I don't want to be drunk by 1.30. Right? So... But I, because I'm the Draymond apologist, I am allowed to criticize him because I know his strengths and weaknesses. And here's instead of just people saying Draymond sucks, this is what the problem's been. He, one of his great talents and abilities has been his speed. In, on de, you know, on defense, he grabs the ball, he rips it down the court, setting up the offense. He's no longer the fastest big guy out there, and that's been the problem you see he's been he's running and then he stops and he's dragging his feet almost you know traveling so they have taken away his speed and also his passes have been great those guys are out there you know cutting off his angles and his, and his passes you know making him ineffective he's got to figure something out i don't know if he's going to be able to but the, i think the if we are blaming the warriors offense on him Clay and and Poole, their job is to score primarily. And the great thing about the Warriors over the years is they've always had secondary scoring like, you know, David West, Livingston, younger Andre. And when Clay's scuffling, and even Kevin Durant, when he's scuffling, you know, those guys are scoring until Clay kicks in. Nobody's kicking. <laughs> There's nobody there to kick in uh, waiting for Clay. So that's hurting the team. Clay, we love him. You've got to carry the bigger load. Jordan, you can't be a front runner and only score against Denver at home or, you know, against Dallas at home. You've got to score. If you guys don't, we are not going to win. So, Dan, let the drinking game begin. <laughs> I'm listening to you. And I hope you had a wonderful swim in the bay because that, of course, is going to freak uh, Coe's out. Right? I know it will. Thank you, San Francisco Joe. You're the best man. He's on it. I will say this about Clay, and we got a text on this. Say, please mention the defensive job he did on Boston in the game last night. And we have to say that. As much as we know Clay's got to score and be a wingman for Steph, he expends a lot of energy on the defensive side against Jason Tatum. I would say Wiggins uh, was more the guy locking up Jason Tatum, but certainly. Draymond, or excuse me, that Clay Thompson's that who we're talking about is yeah. has been much better defensively, and he showed up offensively. I think that. Listen, when you think about this going forward, this is why it bodes well. I think goes for the Warriors, is that you still have not got that game from Clay. Right? Is it in his bag? You know, this is typically when he. You know, Game Six is right around the corner. That's a fair question. Does he have that left? I mean. Game six is is coming up, man. So there's there's an opportunity for it. Listen, if Jordan Poole, here's the danger. If we're doing this show out in Boston right now, the 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 threat right now, the Warriors is it looks as though Jordan Poole now is beginning to get an idea of how this whole stage works. And it looks as though, as opposed to we're seeing the reverse in effect effect here is that he was so good in the previous series early on and then they got physical with him and then he sort of disappeared in the later games the opposite now looks as though it might be 
what is taking place where Jordan Poole was a no-show in the first three, four games of the series, and now you're beginning to see him maybe, hopefully, it's indicative of him saying, you know what, I got this. All right, I'm 22, and maybe the stage was a bit big, but here I go. And then Clay, if Clay can pull something out of his back pocket, whether it's Game 5 or Game 6, Clay, this thing bodes well for the Warriors going forward. All right, so Golden State Warriors go to Beantown. They split the two. It's two up for both, and now you're coming home to Chase Center for game number five. I've got a stat, Warrior fan, that may have you quaking in your boots as you get ready for Monday night. You will want to hear this when we continue. It's Dan Devone and me, Jim Cozumore, together with you all the way until 5 o'clock this Saturday afternoon. Phone lines are for you, 888-957-9570, the Xfinity Mobile text line is there for you as well at 888-957-9570. Plenty of texts we will get to. All that and more right here on your proud home of the Golden State Warriors, 95-7 the game. Curry up the floor. Warriors have numbers if they hurry. Ball to Draymond. Draymond looks for a wing. Nobody moving. Curry back cuts on White. Takes the jumper. Got it! for three. Warriors have doubled their advantage. A 10-0 run of the Celtics one time with a minute 42 to go. Now back to 95-7 the game. It is great hearing my good friend Tim Roy. He is always on it. And he certainly was there. A little bit later on. Did you see that Swingers is trending on Twitter? I know you're not a big Why? social media guy. We'll tell you a little bit later on. It's an interesting Love swingers. story. I know, right? So um, we'll explain that a little bit later on. Steph Curry, the story of the day, no question about it. 43 in a Warrior win in game number four. Series tied at two with the Boston Celtics. Let's get some phone calls, Dan, because this is a, a show about the people. We are two men about the people, aren't we? We are. Are we? I, well, I'm just afraid that the people are going to get after me today, but let's do mm-hmm. it. Right to the phones, 888-957-9570. Let's hit up Ken in Newark. Ken, welcome into 95-7 the game. What's on your mind, my friend? Dubs with a big win, and Steph was the guy who carried him. Aggie, I, I got three comments. First is is the the problem that Steph has is that he's so subtle. I mean, you watch the game, you don't see 43 points. You see him being, you know, three, four guys on him, the gravity of Steph. You, you see him passing it off. You see him, you know, moving the ball. But, you know, at the end of the game, you look up and you say, 40, 43, where did the 43 points come from? <laughs> I, I did not see that 43 points. I saw In 26 him, shots, he's efficient. That's the thing, uh, Kenny. He's efficient. Yeah. But that's the thing is you don't see that. You see the, the, the amount of time he's passing the ball, he's moving the ball, he's being double, triple team, you know, that, that – that three-point shot where, you know, there were two guys on him, both reaching for the ball, and he still made it. You know, it's, they're awesome shots, but the the problem that everybody has is they don't see that. What they see is he's constantly passing the ball, moving the ball. They, they think their guys are stopping him, and they're not stopping him. He's enabling, you know, Wiggins. He's enabling Clay. He's enabling pool, you know, and and they just don't see that. You know, occasionally he's dropping a three or he's laying up a two. So 
you know, they just don't see that awesome thing. They think they're stopping him. And, and I think that's why he doesn't get that MVP thing, is that he's constantly looking like he's being stopped. Well, I'll tell you, it's hard to oh, stop right. the guy. He is he is unbelievable. Ken, thanks very much for the call. We appreciate the insights into that one. There are times when he is subtle, but I do think we 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 watch him so much, and he is still considered such the everyman that maybe a guy as great as he is continues to go under the radar. Is that possible? I don't think he's going under the radar, though. No, no, because it's such a one-dimensional team right now. Yeah. And his handles with the basketball, it all begins with him. It's Does he have an opening to shoot the three? Are they going to jump him? Is he going to be able to get to, you know, get to that mid-range or get to the rim? That's, that's their whole offense right now. It's Steph crossing the timeline. Steph, where are you going to go with it? Because aside from that, you don't really entrust anybody at this point. It's like the junior high game when there's one kid who matures a little bit faster than any. You know, you know the 14-year-old has got a mustache? Yeah. And that kid usually dominates – Steph's doing that in reverse. He's like the little guy instead of being the old guy. He's like the little guy who's dominating all these others. It's kind of a weird scenario. Listen, we talk about Curry going into a hostile Boston. We talk about Curry and just stepping up his game in the most important moment possible. That's what superstars are supposed to do. And we talk about ranking his performance, whether it's a finals performance or all-time performance that he has had. Here's what Steph had to say about bringing the fire in the game and then ranking this performance. We rely on Draymond bringing that energy and fire, you know, throughout the course of the season, year after year. Felt like we just had to let everybody know that we were here tonight. You know, whether that's their crowd, their team, our team, whoever wants to see that energy and that that fire, we feed off of that. Yeah, you know, I think it helped us kind of just get settled into the game because obviously our experience, you can want it so bad, you kind of get in your own way a little bit and everybody feels a little bit of pressure and it can go the opposite way. I wanted to try to leverage that the, you know in a positive direction for us to start the game. I don't rank my performances, though. Just win the game. All right, doesn't rank them, and I get it. He shouldn't, but we do. That's a good point. And you might be the one guy that can stay with me on this one. All right. What has happened here when it comes to the NBA Finals specifically? And this is true for sports in general. It used to be you win a Super Bowl, you win an NBA championship, and you laud that team. You talk about the MVP, who was the best player. But it's a championship, and you celebrate in that moment if you're from that respective city. And then maybe you go to a bar, and there's a couple of coconuts sitting at the end, and they're talking about, well, that performance – Puts him now in the pantheon of, like, the 10 greatest of all time. It's like, eh, whatever. Barroom chatter. That chatter now is as important, if not more so, than the title itself. Yeah. Is it via social media? Is it sports talk radio? Yes. It has changed. Is it TV shows that you see with the coconuts who are going head-to-head, yelling at Screaming A. Smith and and yelling at, uh, who's the other guy over on? Skip Bayless. Yeah, exactly. You, You got those guys yelling, and I think that, they have taken the conversation from social media, from the bar room, to the television, from the sports talk radio, and, and they seem to think it's at a higher level. But leagues feed off that stuff, Dan. But Jimmy, it's so inconsequential. It. it is, but the leagues feed off it. The league will tell you, leagues ratings for the games are down. Lowest ratings, according to Andrew Marchand, who is the sports media columnist for the New York Post, lowest ratings since 2007. But the NBA will tell you the social media interaction is the highest it has ever been for an NBA Finals. They feed off guys and women 
texting about, tweeting shots, getting into back and forth with everybody. Every day, every Warrior game, I get a couple of texts from some Warrior fan or tweets from Warrior fans saying, Curry's greatest moment ever or unbelievable what Wiggins did this night and they show me a little highlight or something like that. The, the NBA feeds off that. They want that. They, they beg for it. I get it. But the idea that he has to be the MVP so that his narrative is now complete or he wins this one. Who the hell cares? If you win a title, get drunk, do what you do, go nuts. Your Warriors just won the NBA championship. Why is that as equally as important in 2022? Still blows me away. I also like that Draymond Green is a lightning rod for things good and bad. Draymond Green did not play much in the fourth quarter. It was taken out of key moments in the fourth quarter. We should maybe phrase it that way. Loved and immediately it. from the 6-5-0, when the, quote, Draymond don't score points, unquote, callers chime in, please remind these fans that Dre had nine boards and eight assists. That means he's responsible for a minimum of 16 points. So he does have an effect on the game. Does he need to be offensive-minded for this team to have a chance in game five, six, in game five, six, or seven? I just like what Steve Kerr did. And the switching, I mean, he was like a college coach. That was like Rick Pitino or somebody. I mean, he was coaching his butt off. He's inserting players at, after every possession. He's, yeah. bringing, he's bringing Draymond to come off the floor, and he's matching up on just literally on just about every possession. I thought Kerr was amazing. And it also reminds everybody, because I often have asked this question to myself, who's the real boss between those two? I think that was clearly answered last night. That is Steve Kerr's team. And Steve Kerr runs that. Maybe it, you know, he gives way to Myers or Laker when you get to the executive levels, but he runs that team in terms of what's happening on the 94-feet slab of hardwood. Draymond, I don't really care about you, your podcast, and how mouthy you are. You're coming out of the game. You're not playing well. And you're sitting in the fourth quarter. And he was, he was PO'd. Draymond was upset. Kerr didn't care. And I, I thought, to me, maybe it was just – sort of satisfactory for a party of one, because I've always questioned, like, does Draymond sort of, you know, rule the roost? Does he do as he pleases? But apparently this is still Steve Kerr's team. Uh, quick off the Xfinity mobile text line, Lou from San Francisco says, wants to talk about the Celtics players' mood after the game. Is it just Lou, or did anyone else notice that the Celtics players' mood during the post-game press conference was more like Boston fell down three games to one instead of were tied two games to two Good point. with the Golden State Warriors. Did anyone else notice that? Because it's funny, there is a subsequent texter to the Xfinity Mobile text line who said, Steph's demeanor at the press conference was as if he didn't accomplish anything last night. He still has work to do because they know what the ultimate prize is. Are we seeing the demeanors of these two teams? One is a championship-caliber team who has done it. The other is trying to get to the top of the mountain are we seeing that as the series goes on, one knows how to win, one hasn't learned it yet? Yeah, I don't want to read too much into body language and, and post-game press conferences, but I noticed that it sort of jumped out at me as well. I mean, they look like a defeated bunch. And, you know, think about, think about Steph in a bad wheel, doesn't even know if he's going to play in Game 4, yet he was you know, still very encouraging despite the loss. You look at Boston last night, and that – Maybe they looked exhausted. And maybe this gets back to, again, a team that's been stretched to back-to-back seven games, that this is a team that just wants to, like, night-night, as Steph would say. Grab the pillow, go to bed. Uh, yeah, let's get some phone calls. 888-957-9570. Out to Palo Alto we go. Priest is there. 
Priest, welcome in. Devona Coe's 95-7 the game. Dubs, that's what everyone's talking about. How'd you see it, Priest? Hey, Priest, you there? Lock him out. Let's jump right back to the phones. Oh, Priest. Tough break, Priest. Let's get out to Dublin where Roy is. Roy, um, Warriors, you got them on a roll right now. Uh, Do you see something that maybe they do have an advantage over the Celtics and they can close this out in the next two games? Roy, are you there? Hello? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Yeah, I just want to say something about uh, Warriors gaming, uh, winning uh, winning it all on Game 6. You think the Warriors can do it in Games 5 and 6? What makes you think that, Roy? Yeah, I want Warriors to win it on Game 6 in TD Garden. I want to see uh, uh, Celtics fans cry. I want to see them cringe. I want to see them suffer. I want to see them the agony of defeating their faces. That's all. I love it. Thank you, Roy. Roy chant. Exactly. Roy, you better watch it if you get out there, buddy. They are going to be effing you. So uh, there is your Warrior fan wanting to not only win the series, they want to, a little schadenfreude. They want, they want someone else to feel bad. They're going to feel good in the feeling bad by the Boston fan. He'd rather, instead of rejoicing here mm-hmm. and whooping it up with the fans, he, he's about spite. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. Sort of in a weird way, appreciate that. Joe in San Jose, already thinking about the offseason. So, Joe, let me just ask, do you have the Warriors winning the title and now you're thinking of how they're going to continue this role? Or why, why are we looking at the offseason, Joe? Well, I, I don't want to talk about the series because I'm so afraid of jinxing the Warriors. I'll take a look at in game five. Okay? So, uh, I, as much as I want to talk about Steph, I'm, I, I want him to stay hot. And keep going. I've never seen Steph this dialed in. Uh, I want him to stay hot, so I won't talk about Steph. So regardless of what turns out in the series, uh, I do think that time has come for us to move past Raymond. Raymond has clearly passed his expiration date. He's no longer the humble... Ooh, I'll tell you something. Do we run him because he went after Draymond? Well, you know what? That's a San Jose call. Yes, I know no circumstance of having not having Draymond on the court. Of course. They wouldn't be here here without Draymond. So you ran him (laughs) because you're a Draymond apologist. I ran him because he said something just wickedly outlandish. Draymond is expired? No, no. They wouldn't be here in the NBA Finals without Draymond. Send your hate mail to Brian with a Y, Iglesia. That is who ran our previous caller. I want to apologize because that was a solid take. You got to move on from Draymond. He was making his point about the (laughs) offseason. Kerr told us all what he felt last night, taking Draymond off the floor. Come on, Brian, with a Y. This is not, by the way, about the people, as you stated earlier. This is about Brian, it's and about it's an Brian. autocracy here at 95-7 it game. It is. It's Dan, you would agree with me, too. They wouldn't be without Draymond Green, and they wouldn't be here without Draymond Green in the NBA Finals. you got to agree with me on that. Yeah, I agree with you, but you got to let the guy chirp a little bit. Brian. Let me ask did. you. Are you he af- did, are and you-, you know what? I didn't like it. Are you afraid <laughs> that he dealt self-destructs and hurts the Warriors as much as he can 
help the Warriors. Okay. Well, so if he self-destructs so much, why does he play so consistently in the finals? I mean, consistently minutes-wise. Like, do you think, realistically, do you think that they would be here and win Game 5 and Game 6 without Draymond Green? I would say that he hasn't been very good the last two games. I would say this, though. He must have hated doing that pod last night. (laughs) It just looked as though... You know what I looked at him? It just looked like it was a humbling experience. Came off the floor, sat for a good five minutes. It's the fourth quarter. He steamed, and he gave way to Gavon Looney, which turned out to be the right decision. The Warriors were on the plus side with him on the bench. And then he's got to go do this podcast because he's promised the world that I'll do that thing regardless. I bet you there was a part of him going, man, I just would like to go to my hotel room and crash. Yep, yep, exactly. Uh, Let's get that Draymond sound uh, ready. It's Draymond on getting subbed out in the fourth and not super thrilled uh, about what happened. That would be uh, Draymond under Draymond benched. Give me a call while we look for that sound. Nancy is in San Jose. Nancy, you're on with Devona Coes on a great Saturday on your proud home of the Golden State Warriors 95-7 the game. Your thoughts on Draymond, Nancy. How essential was he last night? I think Draymond's always good. I mean, he brings something to the court that the other players don't. But I think that um, Kerr might have sat him out because of how much um, – he was bringing to the floor with all the garb that was being said and stuff that by having him on the floor, it, it pushes the Celtics to push harder because Draymond's out there. And by taking him out, maybe it was to let the players play without Draymond there um, and giving us an advantage. Not to say having him not out there is... Um, an advantage, but maybe for this moment, because of all the stuff that's being said on Draymond and the things that he's saying, by taking him out, they were able to take advantage of the situation. All right, thanks, uh, Nancy. We appreciate it. So there's a lot of Draymond in there. Um, by take advantage of the situation, does she mean that the that offensively? They were able to do more things because I think Draymond's an unbelievable passer. He's an unbelievable cog to what they do offensively when he's out there. Even if you don't think he's much of a scorer, he is an important piece. Yeah, look, let's let's just get one thing very clear here. You're not in the NBA Finals. You don't have the hardware of previous NBA championships, Dub Nation, if it wasn't for that guy. He has been your junkyard dog. He has done all the dirty work. He's your quote-unquote glue guy. He is the personality of this team where it's essentially a bunch of nice, quiet guys. He's the one dude who says, all right, I will go down to the trenches and do the dirty work. And and he's so pivotal to what it is that has been the success of the Golden State Warriors. But living in the here and now, sorry, Brian, in the here and now, if you continue to be a liability offensively, you cannot have two guys, that being Kevon Looney, and Draymond Green that can't score the basketball. One has to come out, and Kevon Looney has been so very good in terms of rebounding the basketball and also finishing. Let's not overlook the fact that he had a left-handed finish and was good around the basketball, uh, around the basket. Draymond Green, I hate to make this analogy, Coz. I saw some Ben Simmons last night. 
Ooh. I saw him get the ball deep Ooh. and wanted nothing to do with the basketball. Ooh. No, bro. Bro, look, we love the guy. I'm just saying that it was in his head that when he had the ball in deep, and I'm talking four feet from the hoop, he wanted nothing to do with it. It was hot potato. Kavon, here, you take it. It looked a little Ben Simmons like, I don't want to touch this basketball. Now, listen, that's not fair, and I know I'm going to get cracked on because I love the guy. I'm just, I'm just staying in the here and now in terms of last night. I thought Kavon Looney was a better option. Do I expect Draymond to bounce back? Hell yeah, I do. Them's fighting words. You saw a little Ben Simmons <laughs> in Draymond Green. 888-957-9570. Xfinity Mobile text line right now all over. Brian with a Y. Let me guess. Brian is a millennial. True or false, Brian? No, it's true. Okay. Uh, I'm proud of it, too. Coz Devon and Iglesias should be sent packing to EEI since we sound like Celtic homers. How well, do we that's good like... knowledge, though. I know it is. You got... That's EEI, a P1. I got to give it up to you. That's a P1. That's someone who knows the radio industry. Kudos to Brian with a Y. The hangup was very necessary. Hashtag Team Draymond. So, uh, all over the board on this one. Is 95.7 now sports cancel culture? <laughs> because we won't let anybody. 650. Why did you cancel the caller for speaking his opinion? I have to agree. Brian with a Y. Why are you trying to stop opinions from being heard on 95.7 The Game? Come on, Brian. You're that that person in the government who won't let certain opinions be heard. That's what you're doing. Oh, my goodness. Brian with a Y is getting just cratered here on the Xfinity mobile text line. Although you're getting some backers. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, he's got some support here. Uh, Matthew and Alamo, beautiful part of uh, Northern California, Alamo. That's uh, Alamo's a little new money, isn't it, uh, Matthew? Is that old money or new money? I think Diablo is old money. I think Alamo is new money. Matthew, your comments on the broadcasting that's been going on. So Alamo may be new money, but it's old school, Jim. I think you know that. I'm a big fan of your show. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> hey, I, my, my observation is I don't understand why Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy are employed in broadcasting. <laughs> These guys are so pro-Celtics, add so little to the podcast, I mean the broadcast rather. Mark Jackson is almost inaudible when you hear his voice. And then after he takes a break from all his pro-Celtics comments, when Steph is lighting up the floor, he says, oh, there goes that man. His, his routine signature phrase whenever Steph's lighting it up. I don't know who Mark Jackson has pictures of at ABC or the NBA, but I, I have no idea why he's employed. I'm not sure if you guys can speak on this for your sure. professional courtesy here, but that's my two cents. I love it, Matthew. Thank you, my friend. And Alamo is fantastic. I hope you have a great Saturday with you and your family. Uh, big listener, 95.7 The Game, Matthew is, and a wonderful guy. Um, I would say that there have been some very cringeworthy times during these NBA Finals, especially games one and two, when uh, my good friend Mike Breen was not able to make the call because he had COVID, and I believe... Mark Jones. Yeah, Mark Jones was on, which was just... He said some things that were just deplorable. Um, And then I think the lack of Van Gundy... I, I do think there's an East Coast bias, though. In what goes on. I mean, that crew is all New York. They are. I mean, Mark Jackson's roots are New York. I know he coached the Golden State Warriors, but his roots are New York. He's a New York guy. Van Gundy coached the Knicks. Breen broadcast the Knicks. They're East Coast guys, so they know more about the Celtics. I think that they're going to understand the East Coast vibe a little more. I would agree with that. Although, I got to come clean, I do like them. Um, Mark Jackson, I've always felt, You know, obviously things didn't work out well with him here. It must have been difficult for him to call his first Warrior game. 
because I remember that moment. That was interesting. Yeah, when he came back. Came back, and some of the players were over to talk to him. Kerr had done a great job that offseason in getting their respect. It was an interesting – that's a very astute um, observation you have there. It was an interesting time to be here as a Warrior fan. And I think that still sort of bounces in the back of his head. It has to. I mean, he's a human. Uh, He's a human. How's that for an astute – I know, huh? That's my second astute observation. (laughs) But I would – and Van Gundy is – you know, he's a Martinez guy. I, I get it. When you're, you know, if you crack on the Warriors and it's a network and it's a national network, we we have a tendency to, you know, we want that homerism. You want to live in the moment and rejoice. But I think that they pretty much, for the most part, drive it down the middle, I think. And I, I do I do find Van Gundy sort of witty and insightful. And I'm saying that comparatively speaking. Who do you want there? His brother, Stan Van Gundy? I mean, that's that's brutal. There's There's... <laughs> There's very little options you can go to when it comes to ABC and or ESPN in terms of a broadcast team. Brian is rigging the callers like refs are rigging foul calls from the 5-1-0. That's the way it is. Dick Pavetta's walking through that sliding glass door, and he's going to produce the show. That is a deep dive for a longtime NBA fan to understand what that reference is. We know that San Jose Joe... Wants to speak his mind. Brian stuck it to him. Brian with a Y, the millennial, stuck it to him. Joe in San Jose, I'm going to go past my appointed time into the break to hear from you right now, Joe. You can complete your thought on Draymond Green. We apologize, Joe. Yeah, so, well, Brian, if you hung up my call because you don't like my opinion on Draymond Green, shame on you. But uh, I'll move past that anyway. So I want to say... uh, Let's, let's prioritize uh, signing Andrew Wiggins this summer. Well, Andrew Wiggins was never viewed, uh, you know, uh, appropriately by, by the Golden State Warriors fans and probably the front office. We always thought, him as a, thought of him as a trade piece. He's proved beyond doubt how valuable he is for this organization. What, uh, we always thought, oh, we could flip Andrew Wiggins for a, another 3 and D wing who, who's a good, great 2 a player who shoots the 3 point well, who... Uh, defends well, who rebounds well. That's exactly what Andrew Wiggins is. So I think we should uh, treasure him while he's here and value him and sign him for a long-term deal. And I'll probably hold off on Jordan Poole uh, until I see him for one more year because we have the luxury of uh, giving him a qualifying offer next year. So anyway, so in any case, uh, I'm moving past Raymond Green. Um, that, that's my call. I love yeah, boy, it. Joe. Way to go, Joe. That's a call of the day so far. Joe in San Jose doing it hands-free because he's driving down there. Now, I will admit that when we officially had him on the first time and his call dropped, I thought, well, it's odd, but for those people who live on the peninsula or on the South Bay, it's the hub of technology for the globe, and it is the worst cell service that you will ever find in the Bay Area. It's all in the peninsula, and I have no idea why. I thought it was simply a drop call because he was in a crappy zone. No, it was Brian with a Y, the millennial, Hanging up on him. Joe, you're a better man. You called back. Up next. Did you see Swingers is trending on Twitter? Does that mean it's the anniversary of one of the great films of our time? Or does it have a Warriors connection? Extended connection? That's ahead. 95.7 The Game.